0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of So Important, where we talk to interesting people about something that really interests them. Today, our guest is Adam Pohl, who is the Director of Broadcasting for the Bowie Bay Sox. And he is also the play-by-play man. And I've had a bit of a conversation with Adam, and I can tell you he really loves what he does. So we're going to explore that a little bit today with Adam.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Monty.
0: Well, thank you for coming into our beautiful location here in my basement. <laughs> the lavish studios. The lavish studios. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love exactly. it. Exactly. How did you get started in broadcasting? What led you to this field?
1: It's it's a great question. You know, I'm from this area. I'm from Northern Virginia. And I grew up in this area because my dad was in the U.S. Army base uh, so I come from a very musical family, and uh, but for me, I always uh, wanted to work in sports. But but work in sports, I guess, isn't the right way of putting it. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to play, and I, I enjoyed sports. And I kind of feel like broadcasting is my tie of the music side of the performance aspect and then the sports aspect together. So I've always wanted to do it. I I kind of picked it up when I was a really young kid as far as like a passion and and just this far-flung dream. Uh, I went to college on a music scholarship uh, where I had to be a music major. I loved music. I loved the people in music. They were my best friends, but in the same regard, I knew it's not what I wanted to do as a job. So I think it was after my junior year of college at, at UNC Chapel Hill where I was just like, you know, I don't want to be a high school band director, so what am I going to do? And or how am I going to try to be a, a sports broadcaster? I've never really wanted to be a studio host, and uh, and from there I was able to uh, get uh, an internship with the Tar Heel Sports Network, and then that following summer, which would have been the summer between my uh, so my my fourth year of college, I got a job with a, a very small collegiate summer baseball team in North Carolina, and uh, I was off and running.
0: So you started doing broadcasting and what was it about the broadcasting that you found you really, really enjoyed?
1: It scratched all of uh, the proverbial itches for me. I love sports. I love, I feel like I'm very passionate about sports um, because I've gotten into it as a fan so much so and it was kind of my everything when I was a kid. I kind of feel like I I have a feel for the game Mm -hmm. and I can kind of bring my passion and emotion to a game and I think that's something that, that in my career has set me apart a little bit uh, as far as people that listen to my games and they always talk to me and say, oh, you, they always bring my excitement and and uh, and, and my feel for the game as, as something they enjoy about my broadcast. But in the beginning of my career, it was really hard for me because it takes a long time. I, I think of it very musically. When I was a trumpet player, you know, you just think about yourself in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, you're just terrible. And when I started broadcasting baseball, um, I remember broadcasting this game and I felt it was so excited About it, and the radio station would make cassette tapes, and I had a cassette player in my car. But I had to wait a week to get the tape. All I could do is I couldn't wait to listen to this game back, and I had an hour drive back from where I worked to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I put that tape from last week's game, and I start listening, and my heart dropped because it was so bad. You know, I thought it was great when I did when I called the game, but it it just takes so much time. Very similar to a musician or or to any artist to develop your style and to, to. Develop a feel for the phrasing and and how you set up a game. And um, it took me a few years to to get to a point where I I even wanted to listen to a game that I had done. But gradually over time, you got to a point that you were very happy, or at least you're happier. Undoubtedly. And uh, I always also kind of feel like you call games the way that you want it to to, to sound. Uh, So, uh, you know, the main sports that I broadcast are baseball and basketball. uh, It's a little bit different for both sports, but that's what makes it so interesting interesting. You have to learn as a broadcaster how to prepare uh, but I think the most important thing is once you understand and feel comfortable with how you prepare to do a broadcast, uh, meaning how am I going to fill all of this time and how do I study myself up to know and be able to talk about these players, you know after that the most important aspect is, is really just that kind of experience because uh, with the experience you are able to once again emotionally demonstrate and and bring forth the game. And, and that's the most important aspect. And baseball is so tough because of the fact that uh, a ball game might be two hours, it might be three and a half hours, you have a game every night. The preparation is at a different level because you have to, for me, I try to say different things about what are in essence the same people every night. And uh, in the same regard, you're going to call a game very different if it's 13-2 to two in the seventh inning than if it's 3-2. to two. So if it's late in the game and it's not a close game i start telling stories I, and i'm still going to tell you what happens with every pitch but every pitch might just be there's a strike and there's a ball instead of fastball outside corner at the knees uh, because when when the game is tight everything is about that moment in the game and when it's not why are you listening i find that uh, the great baseball broadcasters are people that can both demonstrate the emotion of the game i find that many broadcasters are on the dry side in baseball because oh this is only one game out of 140 games for us for 162 games in the major leagues. I I want my listeners to feel like every game matters, number one. And then number two, if the game is out of hand, I still want them to be entertained. How do you do it for 140 games? (laughs) It really is challenging. Um, For me, I feel very comfortable with the preparation styles now of how to get ready to do a unique broadcast nightly. But in the same regard, you have to realize that it's not about you. So a lot of the things I'll write down before a game, I I won't even end up getting to uh, over the course of a game, number one. Uh, For instance, I might have this long told out story that I'm going to talk about if the game is a blowout, but if it's not, you know, if it's a close game, I'm not going to end up going into that. So, so that is a a major aspect of it, but uh, it it even physically takes a toll Uh, during basketball season. I I don't have any issues with things like hoarseness or things of that nature, but with baseball, when it could be a three, three and a half, four hour broadcast, and, and, you know, you got another one the next day, it's, it's a grind. It, It takes a lot on you.
0: I think the local angle is amazing. You've been a fan of the team and here you are essentially working for the team.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not an Orioles employee, but but there's no doubt that a lot of people say, oh, Adam, you know, are you going to be a major league broadcaster down the road? And, you know, being a double-A guy now, uh, having been in this more than a decade, th- there's no doubt that the Orioles, because of my connections, you know, just like any other line of work, I'm I'm more connected to my team. So if the Orioles had an opening, I would have a chance at it. You know, where if the Seattle Mariners have an opening it's quite a long shot so you, you just never know but obviously when I was growing up listening to John Miller and Joe Angel I, I that was my dream was to be uh, the voice of the Orioles and uh no matter what happens I I've probably come I, I'm living my dream and, and that doesn't just go for for the Bay Sox but it also goes to basketball because Mount St. Mary's is, is uh is the school I broadcast basketball for and they have a very passionate following and I've gotten a broadcast from the NCAA tournament two times. In six years uh, my voice has been on CBS it's been on ESPN you know you're watching SportsCenter and you, and you hear you calling the championship of your league and you're, uh-huh. I, I, there was one moment when we were my wife and I were living in Frederick and she was she was folding the laundry and I wasn't expecting uh, them to play my call and they did and and on SportsCenter and, and my wife was like hey that's you <laughs> you that know must, yeah. so that was that was a cool moment but but all in all I, I don't see myself giving this up anytime soon so uh, well, you're enjoying the gig. I love it. I love it. You have a very distinctive sound and you also mentioned Joe Angel and John Miller. And I really hear that influence when you speak. <laughs> I feel like John Miller is the quintessential king of being entertaining when the game is dry and being exciting and uh, and just incredible in, in the big moments.
0: I could not agree with you more. And I mentioned to you during the late 80s when they went 0 for 21. Mm-hmm. I listened to every game.
1: There are a lot of guys that, that I love right now. I, I love the Seattle Mariners broadcast. I I love the New York Mets broadcast. I love the San Francisco Giants broadcast, which John Miller is now a part of. And, of course, I, I love the Orioles. I love the Nationals broadcast, too, which is which is outstanding. With John Miller, though, there's just those moments where you're listening where you realize uh, what's happening. There was a game at RFK Stadium that I was listening to I mean, more than a decade ago now. The Giants were losing 6 or 7 to 1 in the eighth inning, and they threw it to John Miller. And he started telling this great story about Washington, D.C., and in in dc they they have the wall of fame which isn't just about the baseball it's a wall of fame for all of sports uh for sports personalities like tony Kornheiser's on there so what what john miller you know at that time there was no no dc team so he was very involved in dc and knew dc very well because uh, there was a foul ball and he said that it went over and over on the right side he just starts talking about this wall of fame and he starts talking about john reagan's and how john reagan's and everybody in dc in that era used to go to this place called Duke Zebert's and, sure. and, and I just it was fascinating and the whole inning was him just telling this story and it ended with I don't know if his name was Duke Zebert but the, the guy you know he was a Russian that ran this restaurant and, and Gorbachev drove by with Reagan uh, he, this guy yelled out Gorby come on in you'll love the borscht you know and it's like how did he get from a foul ball to the right side to come on in Gorby you'll love the borscht the reason was is because he was ready if the game got out out of control. If it was 2-1 to in the 8th inning, he wouldn't be talking about the Borscht. But I was completely entertained, and I've always taken that to heart. So I'm going to do a game tonight, and uh, I'm going to be ready. If uh, yesterday, uh, you know, obviously we're not listening to this live, but yesterday the New York Mets manager had an issue with the lineup card. And today, if my game gets out of hand, I will have a story to tell, because I broadcast a game where the same thing happened, and I'll be able to talk for an entire inning and entertain on that, but if it's two to one and it's a short game and it's a dramatic game, I'm not going to talk about that. So uh, it, uh,
0: that's the preparation. So what this tells me is that you really make an effort to key in to what your audience wants to hear.
1: Oh, I love that. Uh, you know, the biggest thing for me is, uh, you, I want them to know. It's one of the reasons why I love working for a specific team. I love being a team's broadcaster even more than if I was just doing games. Uh, you know, generally that that people would be watching let's say because i want my listeners to know that i want my team to win now that doesn't mean that i am being unfair in how i present the game that i'm not just this crazy homer saying every call is terrible it's the opposite uh it doesn't mean that if i have a player that's struggling that i don't point that out but uh, i want my fans because it's what they want to i want them to know that i want our team to win, number one, and number two, that I am going to really display an emotion that is similar to that. So the Bowie Bay Sox recently had a stretch. We had a stretch where we scored eight runs in six games. I mean, that's pathetic. So I am not afraid to show my disgust at how we're doing because that's what our fans are thinking. It, you have to to display the emotion of what a fan would be, and that's what I try to do because uh, even with, when a guy's doing poorly and I point it out, I want our fans to know that I want him to do well. And when things are going great, I, I want to display the emotion and get our fans more excited about that. Well, it really comes across. And my impression
0: is that it's a good organization for you to be
1: in. I am so lucky that I'm able to work uh, for uh, the Base Sox and that my boss, uh, our general manager, Brian Shalcross, is understanding. I know that if I didn't do my job, if in all all aspects, uh, that, uh, that he would talk to me about about it. But he he lets me do my thing uh, in a broadcast realm because he knows that I'm going to uh, be a benefit to our office in in, in a few different ways. And, and I'm going to be there enough and, and make things happen. So so it's it's the other aspect of my job is, is the business side.
0: If there was one last thing you'd really want people to walk away from this interview thinking about or being aware of, what do you think that would be?
1: I just feel like minor league baseball guys have such a wealth of experience because we, Spend all summer every night on the air. And that's where you develop that craft. And uh, so my hope is that our industry continues to, or starts moving more towards giving uh, those people that have that kind of experience and opportunity. And I don't, I mean, obviously be great individually. But uh, for instance, this year, the AAA broadcaster for Buffalo became the new voice of the Blue Jays. And everybody in our industry was really excited for that because many, many big jobs are not going uh, to people that have devoted 10, 20, 25 years to develop this craft to then take it to the highest level and then all of a sudden some local news guy gets it that's never you know called uh, a game it, it really is an art form play-by-play is different than just doing a show and i i feel like uh, a lot of people kind of lump all those things together
0: thank you it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you
1: well thank you so much monty uh, thanks for having me on and uh, i really look forward to listening to uh, many of these chats that you're having here uh, on the you know during this venture
0: well, thank you. And I'll be listening.
1: <laughs> thank you, buddy.
0: All right. All right, indeed. Thank you, Adam. That was a fun conversation. And thank you, listeners. Thank you, Sparks, for continuing to make such great music like you heard today. And folks, if you like the show, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Leave a little review if you're so inclined. Whatever you do is okay with me. I will see you soon. Have a good one.